Soon, chanting in the morning and the reflection, the attention, the tuning into the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, certain things we can learn. Just from how that happens, how that uh, best happens best. It's about uh, the right kind of effort. Net right effort's quite a topic. Uh, so people often feel a sense of pressure or strain or force or willfulness, uh, which is not not uh, they don't find that conducive. Everything we talk about, uh, everything requires some application uh, of attention or awareness or receptivity or everything we do requires something of that nature. But uh, pretty much the how the intention, the inclination, one of the chief areas of the mind, inclination, how that operates. So, so the inclinations that are associated with results or domination or um, <coughs> will, willfulness, then the, the results of that inclination have a, a sense of split the thinking faculty from the heart faculty from the body faculty from the body mm. we go into we say we go into our heads we become rather hardened and something in the heart is the sense of the connection to the heart qualities the spaciousness openness uh, warmth uh, joyfulness um, immediacy uh, is lost. The heart is really only a very immediate reference, whereas thought we can conceive of time, and often it's just exactly about doing that, about structuring time and result and uh, selfhood. So, yeah, an achievement, measuring things. Where well, heart is really the measureless, called the measureless. It doesn't do measuring. Um, Measuring has its uses, but it's not really a heart faculty. Heart faculty is very much about uh, intentionality. And intentionality is of various kinds. There's, uh, you say, the ethical quality of it. And there's also the uh, pressure of it. Uh, whether it's soft, or gentle, or spacious, or whether it's uh, more... Uh, strongly focused. Uh, so intentions could be both ethical but also in terms of uh, attitude. Mm. Now the attitude we cultivate uh, in these uh, <coughs> devotional forms or gestures, they're really not about doing the same thing. Really, It's not about any result. But Although naturally there are results, but that's not what you're aiming for when you when you chant. You're just praising, opening to, delighting in, uh, and lifting. 
using the heart to lift the voice, lift the verbal conditioner, the verbal formation. So you lift it, lifting it, placing it onto the object, Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, or just even the words on the page. So it's very, uh, it's a way of using words and the ability to form words. Now, whatever words we use is one thing. You're talking about cars or football or whatever. The particular topics have their effects. But the way we talk about them, and the inclination with the way which also has an effect. I think you'll probably talk about a car or baseball as a devo- in a devotional way, you know, if that's your if that's your religion, <laughs> you know, and one could sympathise and feel the sense of the the uplift, the bliss, the devotion uh, that a right that a person experiences in their baseball or their car, you know. the love, the uh, enjoyment, the opening to the, uh, the full heartedness. Uh, now, I don't think these things are really so worthy of that gesture, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> uh, but whether they are or not, <laughs> just the very sense of being able to open to and lift uh, uh, to the to the place of enjoyment. Now, enjoyment, we could say, we always assume enjoyment is about things that by themselves are innately pleasurable. Yeah, say tastes or sights or sounds. And that again is very conditioned. They're not innately pleasurable, you know, by themselves. But uh, our attitudes towards them, our inclinations, often very reflex inclinations, uh, make them so. So, generally, with food, you tend to just not dress it up a bit, make it look nice, and so forth. And, and there's a serving of it, the arrangement of it on the plate, the table, and all that helps to lift the thing rather than just kind of wedging something into your mouth as you as you walk along doing something else. You you deliberately lift yourself, lift the thing, lift it, open to it. So really, other than the the sensual nature of the thing, and notice how we get we get tired of the same food every day. It might have been really enjoyable for a, a while, the, the, the first few mouthfuls, and after one it gets a bit tedious. So the pleasurability is not innately in the thing, but it's in our opening to it, in our interest into it, what we, um, how, how we incline towards it. <coughs> and inclining that we're cultivating in Dhamma practice is not one of on a sensory level, actually, it's not, you know, but it is, it's an enjoyment, it's an inclination towards uh, a subtler form of pleasure, the pleasure of the heart, and the pleasure of the senses, the pleasure of calm, the pleasure of uh, composure, the pleasure of... removal of, of, of agitation or ill will, removal of pressure, 
pleasure born of detachment. The pleasure born of, of just breathing in and out. There's something that is effortless, uh, beautiful, uh, fulfilling in itself. But we can, if we don't approach that with a mind that's prone to and poised and inclining towards enjoyment, it doesn't become enjoyable. Now, with the, uh, what we're doing with devotional practices is we are deliberately, uh, and using just this one example, of lifting the mind Lift, you know, lifting the verbal faculty, lifting the heart. It's a quality of praising. It's a tuning, the sense of using the voice, using tune, tonalities, rising tones, flexing tones, to encourage a kind of opening and enjoyment of the sound, the making sounds, uh, to accompany the perceptions of Buddha, Sangha. It's like this is why we make offerings, and generally offerings are of candles, flowers, uh, incense, mm, water. People make all kinds of offerings, and really the nature of the offering, you can see there are certain symbolic uh, meanings to these offerings. Uh, flowers represent purity. Um, incense represents samadhi and candles represent wisdom. So, you know, retreat centers are abandoning samadhi. <laughs> it's just plain old wisdom. You know, no, no incense left. So, you've got to do that on your own. Now, this is just what they, they typify, but of course, it doesn't really matter in one sense. But really, what does matter is the sense of what one does with offering. There's a kind of lifting to and placing on an object. Lifting to and placing on an object. And you do that, obviously you do that with the body. But then you kind of try to do it with the heart. So you're really lifting and making an offering here. This is the way we place attention. You place you place attention in this way, lift it and place it, offer it, offering one's attention. Yeah. So that uh, sense of offering, and why, you know, as I said, dana is a very uh, initiating experience in, in, the, in the cultivation. And here we offer candles. So it's not really about the um, material thing, but the gesture, the lifting and the offering, because that has an effect of opening the heart, and then what do we offer to open the heart to? Then at that place where the heart is open, you begin to also receive or empathize or tune in at a heart level with what you've offered to. It just happens by itself. You don't have to make an extra effort to it. So, <clears throat> when we make offering to to Buddha, whatever Buddha means to us, awakening, um, compassion, wisdom, 
you know, and you begin to get the felt sense of that. Then you open an offer to that. And here, of course, you use a physical Buddha image. It wasn't always the case in Buddhism that they used a physical Buddha image. Sometimes they use a leaf or a tree uh, or just a footprint or a wheel so, or a stupa. So these are just icons. The important thing is the lifting, raising, offering. And that there's a, that's a particular muscle, if you like, of inclination. Hmm? <coughs> it's the inclination faculty of the heart. Now, when we, so it's cultivating that. And how important that is, whether you, you know, you like chanting or whatever, doesn't, that's secondary. The thing is, it, when you meditate, can it be that lifting, placing, offering of attention? to what you're meditating on, what you're bringing your awareness towards, whatever it is actually, walking, sitting, standing, breathing, sweeping, eating, whatever, you know, open to it, opening to nature around you, you go out, take a few walk, it's a really lifting your attention, take an offering to opening yourself to the natural world and have that occasion here and of course the natural world that we see out, out there is really it's, it's a different rhythm than the electric and um, world of humans and the different speed so we begin to drink in some of the calm the easefulness of the natural world the order of it which is not linear and straight, and it's uh, soft and uh, flexing. This is what we can gain from being in a forest. Although, you know, we have these buildings, I certainly recommend spending time outside. Uh, you know, when I come here, I also tend to use natural light as much as possible rather than electric light just the feeling of opening to the subdued the soft the subtly changing qualities of light natural light because there isn't anything i particularly want to see anyway you know i can generally grope my way towards my breakfast (laughs) 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 but just that taking in the ambiences. Mm-hmm. So the inclination uh, is, is different from the kind of, you know, trying to focus on something, trying to hold your attention onto something, mm-hmm. yeah. whereby it's more like trying to pin, pin your attention onto an object, pin it onto an object. It onto an object. How, does, how does that feel? Doesn't the object kind of squirm away when you try and pin your mind onto it? <laughs> or it becomes that the thing we're pinning on our mind onto is somehow experienced in a rather, it's rather dead, actually. 
the relationship between one's attention and one's breathing is not one of opening to receiving, enjoying, but of putting your attention onto it, pinning it, holding it there, so that we will become more calm or steady. And you've got to kind of really look at some of these reflex inclinations. Because that's the way we operate in general in our lives. You, you, you kind of do the thing. And the thing, you're not really listening to it, taking it in. You're just trying to hold it. And that doesn't really require any heart. It doesn't really ask and fulfill and bring in the qualities of heart. You don't need much of heart to do that. We all have them. We all have hearts. Uh, so, you know, you do, you know, okay, do that pinning on an object for a while and then we'll sort of switch channel and do some metabhavana to open the heart. But really... You know, why don't you open your heart when you're doing mindfulness of breathing? It's a matter of the inclination, using the inclination aspect of, of the of the heart to incline towards placing one's lifting one's attention to something that is alive, um, intelligent, um, knows what it's doing. It's a living thing breathing it's a living dynamic changing experience in nature get curious about it respect it and with that relational quality instead of breathing is a thing and you sort of stick yourself onto it stick your attention onto it then we've sort of it's not very sacred uh, it's also not really respectful. Um, it severely reduces the quality of mind that we're bringing, and it reduces the quality of what we're able to receive. The enjoying mind is much wider and more open. It's able to take in. That's part of what enjoyment's about, isn't it? You open to something and you drink it in. Now if you're pinning, pins don't drink anything in. So because if we're not drinking something in, being taking it in, we don't get the fullness of the object, and therefore the mind finds it difficult to stay with that object because you're only operating to one aspect of mind, which is the ability to define a name. That's a breath, that's a thought, that's a feeling. You're only using the one using one finger of a hand. But uh, the 
Lifting, opening too, uses both that one finger, pointing to that. It also uses the sense of the mind's ability to receive feeling. Hmm. The mind's ability to derive perception, imagery, such as feels soft, feels scratchy, feels flowing, feels warm, feels ragged, feels whatever it feels. You know, the ability to derive a perception, that particular thing. And also we're using the faculty, the mind's faculty of inclination. It's like when you're, uh, often one of the metaphors the Buddha used for meditation is holding a quail, a bird. And I often refer to this. <coughs> so imagine, you know, the breath is now like a like a bird, like a living, breathing creature. And really, it is, isn't it? You go to it. It has its own lifespan. It has its own process. It knows what it's doing. different kind of intelligence than the head intelligence but the breathing has kaya sankara has its own intelligence so we treat it like holding a bird and notice so often the Buddha uses imagery to encourage the image forming mind the heart we call it heart and they're saying if you hold it too tightly, then you're going to crush or kill the bird. If you hold it too loosely, it's going to flutter, fly away. How do you know how to hold it? How do you know how to hold a bird? You know how to hold it by holding it <laughs> and being sensitive. So it's not just bird, there it is, bonk, got it. <laughs> you know, like that's what we call the one finger, you know. But you hold it with a sense of you know, lifting towards that, opening up to it, taking it in, feeling and then that adjusting one's uh, attention, feeling how you experience it in your body, what it's doing to you. So it's a very full kind of um, attentiveness you can even you know have a sense of asking questions is it like this where's the ending of the breathing where's the beginning of it is it is it, is it smooth is it flowing and the, the uh, there are several questions whether you deliberately formulate them or just bear them in mind that go along with meditation, calming. Have you got it all? Have you got the fullness of it? Have you really opened to how it is? Or have you just come in with, oh, breath, right? Got it. Just as an idea. Have you really opened and experienced the fullness of it? How it really is in itself. How it operates in your body. And there's a kind of respect in that. Right? 
breath is its own process, it's breathing its own process. I need to learn from that. <coughs> Second uh, theme or question to bear in mind or to have placed in your in terms of your attitudes and inclinations is how does this get more comfortable? How does it get so that I'm not doing what I don't need to do and I'm more fully giving to what's useful, more fully potentizing, more fully actualizing what's helpful. The helpful piece of that experience. And it could be, oh, I find the quality of flow really makes me, helps me be calm. Or I find that uh, the pausing around the out-breath and the in-breath really helps to shift my, my gears so I'm not so racing all the time. I slow down and listen. That piece helps. I really find it helpful if I just let, bring my attention into the center of the chest or um, back of the throat or abdomen. <clears throat> I find it helpful if um, I get a sense of widening my attention or narrowing it. Generally, when you widen your attention, you calm. When you narrow it, you get clarity get sharper definition. Sometimes, you know, one needs to feel breathing really wide. As if you're sensing breathing out into the entire room and the space and drawing everything in from the air around you. Sense of connection. Uh, not very clear, not very sharp in terms of object, but has a particular uh, helpful, can be a helpful um, effect. Breathing is not mine, it's something I open to draw in and release into. Well, how do you get more comfortable with it? As it gets more comfortable, how do you get more or how do you do less and less and rest in the ease how do you do less how do you get more still now all these require <coughs> careful handling lifting opening to taking in and very often my own practice I begin to shift from the visual way of, of using attention to the tactile way of using attention. Mm. As if you're attending with your hands. It's actually the hands are part of your body and extremely sensitive. And the quality of touch is when you touch something it touches you. So it's a sense of there's something innately enjoyable about touch. Yeah. I don't say it's pleasant, but it is innately enjoyable because there's an opening to, right? You see what I mean? It's not just about pleasure, it's about the sense in which enjoyment is opening to and receiving. 
You most fully do that when you touch something. Because as you touch it, it touches you. It enters you. You get the and the hands are very uh uh fingertips, hands are very sensitive to all that. Now <coughs> clearly we're not using our physical hands to hold our breathing, but then we're not using our eyes either. I've never heard people talk about watching the breath, I've never seen a single breath. Maybe in the middle of winter when it gets kind of you breathe out into the frost you get a little bit of a I've never seen them and I wonder there's something wrong with me I can't see her you know. so why you know we kind of rely upon this metaphor because seeing watching implies attention which is good it also implies pinpoint clarity which we appreciate seeing is a very sharp clear kind of focus but it doesn't give you the sense of so readily the sense of receiving and being affected by. Seeing has no feeling. The, the eye, the visual consciousness does not feel. The tactile consciousness does. So to really get a handle on it, uh, lifting, as if you're lifting with your palms, lifting, placing, and then feeling it. This is uh, it's a metaphor, but it has its effects if you get what I get the meaning of it. <clears throat> and we do you all know we do a lot of speaking with our hands. Hands in Anjali handshakes, opening the arms, we do, we do speak with them. And now we're, there's something instinctive about that. And how if your hands are clenched and tight, they signal an attitude that's not uh, trusting, open and uh, receptive. Mm. So even just when you're sit, sitting in meditation, how you place your hands, gives a certain signal to the body. Inclination. Praising devotion to what? What is praising? Praising is lifting the heart with gladness and appreciation. It's not coming up with a kind of list of uh, thing, faculties or uh, approval it can do but the first gesture is just the sense of lifting towards lifting and opening towards what we're giving attention to and taking it in now breathing or just to the experience of the body the mood of the heart the silence, space around you, just lifting, opening to that. This is the way that you'll find uh, this particular inclination and gesture of attention, gesture of awareness, is of enormous benefit, enormous uh, freedom.
fruit. This is why we cultivate, we use these particular forms. They have a very real uh, application.
Let's um, move into the standing position and uh, do some practice with that. So taking up a standing position. <coughs> and checking the bases, the overall sense. Standing like a tree, uh, the roots coming into the ground, feeling strong connection to the ground, 
opening the feet, opening your awareness of your feet, and then giving uh, the body over to the feet. So if you uh, potentize, give more authority to one area, then the other areas can switch off and relax. So now we're handing things over to the feet and relaxing the shoulders, the abdomen, the face. Softening the knees, feeling the flexing, flexibility, the soft strength of flexibility. move forward a little, that is inclined towards the toes, uh, you're taking more uh, weight through your toes and notice what happens, uh, the calf muscles tend to, to tighten to support that. Let it roll back, let your body roll backwards a little towards your about centered. Soften the knees so you take a little bit of a dip, like an inch, half an inch. And then coming back to the heels, notice what happens. Uh, you get more, the thigh muscles tend to come into play. And if you just uh, drop your tail half an inch, it also feels a certain energizing in the lower back. It's not tense, it's not effortful, but you become more, perhaps more aware of the lower back. forward it's going to be the calves and the abdomen come back it's going to be more the thighs and the lower back So just by, by a small thing like that, you begin to remind parts of your body, you know, get them to wake up, you know, or your side, your car, forward your cars, wake up, 
something in your chest, in your front of your body, holding the balance, wakes up, come back. Your thighs, the lower back. We try to find sway towards balance where things feel awake but they're not they're switched on but they're not needing to make any effort. But they're they're awake, they're more switched on. You want to perhaps do that movement, that sway a few times just to you know, see what's happening. Only because uh, what we body appreciates or is felt more complete with is when you, you, you stand with your entire body, which doesn't mean anything, a lot of stuff is doing work, but it's all aware. And particularly uh, the area between your hips and your ribs. This is the area where we come from the connection to the ground yeah, into how we reach out into the world. You know, the upper body from the diaphragm up is all about up and out, going out there. And lower body is about you know, getting connected. And sometimes it's the case that we're so much into the up and out, we've more or less lost the down connection. Yeah. but we're really saying yeah up up is one direction that's fine but you want to also keep the whole thing and the, the sense of connection to the ground and this area between your hips and your diaphragm or your rib cage is really the uh, the base of the tree and it's often underactivated because most of the time we sit in chairs, so it just kind of slumps there. And it's not, doesn't feel it's got anything to do. The result of this is that uh, our reaching out into the world can be disconnecting. You know, the top half of your body, particularly your head, takes off. Head on wheels, I call it. And the connector, of course, the, what runs through these regions is the spine. So as we're standing, coming into alignment, and drawing the sacrum in, the spine goes right down through the hips, the pelvis, the sacrum, and tucking the tailbones in, just as if you had a tail, tucking it in. And we're looking at half an inch. It's a subtle inclination that helps the spine to uh, wake up in its completeness. There's also this. We also can, you know, the lower spine itself is also flexible and part of what we have. Tucking it in. 
So this helps you wake up that area. It helps to give a little more gravity to the hip, pelvic, lower abdomen region. And if you say the simple thing is, if you give more uh, potency, more awareness to one area, the other areas will tend to switch off and you'll get a, a natural balance. And by and large, people tend to be top heavy. I don't know about you, but that's, a, that's the way it goes because of the amount of time we are reaching out into the world, the future, things, and the little time we have to connect to the ground. <coughs> and of course, just things like chairs. Mm-hmm. This, this area of your body is, is passive. Coming up through the spine, the lumbar region. This is where we begin, or the body begins, it's reaching up. Reaching up occurs through drawing the spine gently into the body. So if you imagine this cord and it's inclining towards the front of the body, moving internally from the back to the front. So it's not, it's slightly drawing or inclining rather than pulling. And if you draw the spine in, you find your front of your body opens up, and your shoulders can drop. It can also help the diaphragm to relax. It's a useful thing to bear in mind just in terms of the mechanics of the body. If you're feeling kind of slumped or bent over, you don't want to go up, you want to go in. If you go in, your body will come up. You go in with your spine, your body bobs up and, it's a, and your shoulders drop. Through the center of the back, between the shoulder blades, the spine inclining towards the heart. Front of the body opening up. And the back being uh, activated. The activation through the spine allows the shoulders to soften, relax, drawing the shoulder blades in, just following that. And then what happens to the arms and hands? neck and then where the neck 
behind the throat and where the neck connects to the, sac- to the cranium or the cranium sits on top of the neck bones and can we gently place so if you're gently placing your skull on top of something top of a current <coughs> let your chin rest on a soft ball underneath it so if you have a large tennis ball or something let your chin rest on it so that it allows the um, the neck to lengthen and the occiput which is the point between the top of the neck and the skull the occiput can open up you center the midline forming and then be aware of the space around you connecting to your space so you're coming up to the skin skin boundary uh, like to feel feel your skin the edge of your body warm cool tingly probably the backs of the hands face connection to the ground beneath you and the space around you so the body is feel like it's held and as it's get more the feeling of held then the yeah, some of the inner tensions can uh, relax because they're not they're not need, we don't need to hold ourselves a few movements uh, begin uh, flexing your knees so as if you're uh, without bending your spine so, you, so as if you're lower, lowering your body uh, through, through flexing the knees and not bending your spine Letting it come down, feeling the leg muscles on the floor. As you come down, consciously sensing how those structures are holding you and going through the movement 
without tightening up in your chest or or stomach or abdomen, abdomen region. Yeah. So very often when we move, we hold ourselves in our upper body. Um, moving consciously, opening the chest, drawing the spine in. Yeah. So it's acquiring a sense of balance which uh, the quality of balance is it's no pressure it holds itself this is what we're looking towards how we can sustain that balance in stillness and in movement So taking a little more of a bend in your knees, it's an inch or two, so you feel the springiness of the legs, take it down, down, and then push down to the heels, straighten the legs, uh, if you gently take that, as if you're kind of lofting the body upwards, as if you're throwing a cushion into the air. Keeping your shoulders relaxed and take the push through your legs. And if you come into that, as you pull your back in, you come to the top of that push, pulling your back in, let your abdomen open up, feel that opening sense in the abdominal region, pushing through your legs. And ride on the movement. Down and pushing for your legs. As your sense of the momentum of the movement comes up, keeping your upper body, shoulders and chest completely relaxed. And pushing your legs and pulling your spine in. Let your abdomen open up. Get the sense of the an upward movement that really is to do with lightness and openness. <coughs> it's uh, falling upwards. Mm. Breathing in and breathing out. keep your spine uh, 
out straight, so avoid too much bending over as you come down. Come down, you know, bend a little bit, but particularly avoid turning your shoulders over because this is going to compress your upper body. So you come down as long as you keep the region of your chest from bent, from stooping over, from hunching over. You maintain that sense of openness. It's gently <coughs> activating this crucial region between the hips and the ribs. Mostly by sending energy through it rather than uh, you know, doing anything with it. some of that piece through with a couple of exercises. This one uh, is called the, the puppet, the string puppet. Mm. Take a little, check your feet and approximately parallel mm-hmm. rather than splayed. Knees are soft. <coughs> <coughs> gently drawing the spine in so you feel the front of your body open up and your shoulders come down. Now your arms, by bringing up the image of the string puppet, your arms dangling beside you and uh, a string attached to the back of the wrist, of each wrist. And we imagine that the puppet master is going to gently pull those strings. Your arms remain (coughs) receptive and it's just being pulled up through the back of the wrist and then drop and again. And what you're looking to doing is uh, avoiding using your arm muscles, bicep or the forearms to, you want to avoid activating those and instead get the sense of the wrists being drawn upwards. What this does is it tends to activate the tissue around your torso. 
the fascia tissue. Yeah. If you're not using your arm muscles, something else is going to come in to do that, that lift. And it's a uh, it's, uh, whole body actually, but primarily you may feel it as a certain tensile strength in the in the uh, tissues around your your abdomen. Remember the falling upwards. Feeling what's happening in your back, lengthening the body upwards, and out each side. (coughs) Hands like fans, bird wings, cushioning the air coming down and stay connected to those hands they complete scooping down and then again being drawn up falling upwards hands moving upwards feeling what's happening in your torso and coming down breathing out Extending, lengthening, and then widening, hands like sponges, taking in the quality of space.
let that one <coughs> subside. Seeing where it, how feeling, how where it leaves us, where we feel we've landed, or this particular time, in terms of our body, our awareness, our emotions. It's a very holistic uh, experience we're in. to the ground, standing like a tree. next um, movement and with any of these if it feels you need to sit or something you know if you feel discoordinated then you can stand still or sit down just to let things settle so it's not you have to feel your way Do you feel unsteady? Your orientation to, to both the ground and the space around you is is uh, is helpful. Now I'd like you to bear in mind the two surfaces of the body as an entirety. We call it the hard surfaces, which are and the soft surfaces. Soft surfaces are the ones where if you fall over, you can instinctively shield and protect. Right? You don't have to think about it, your body will do that. And it will bring the backs of the arms round, the back, protect the face. So the hard surfaces are the defenders, your back, backs of your hands, backs of your arms, uh, outer edges of the legs. And their job is to be firm and hold structure. Yeah the defenders and in the soft surfaces the front of your body the palms of your hands soles of your feet inner edges of your legs soft surface these are about opening and receiving and when you hug someone you draw them to your chest rather than your back <laughs> at least uh, that's the way that's the way we not we do it anyway <laughs> When you turn your back on somebody, it just means I'm not receiving you. <laughs> As it's quite instinctive. Make a little more of that. Now, it can be the case that we get all as if we're all hard surfaces. You know, everything is defended. <coughs> or you're too open. It's just swamped. So this is, helps to bring these two together in balance. Now, we're standing and coming again to the rec- recollecting and coming back to that stance, softness in the knees. 
you know, dropping the tail. Flexing the hip joint, so you can tip over, bending your knees, you're about to sit down, but uh, avoid turning your shoulders over, keeping the spine uh, straight, tip from the hips, but don't tip in the shoulders. You push down, come up, draw your spine in. Open the front of the body, the soft surfaces coming down, firming up and opening up and down, firming up and opening up. Bring your attention to an area below the navel and it's approximately where your hip, uh, where your legs, bones enter your pelvis. You draw a line across. You've got something the size of a baseball there. A grapefruit, something like that. So draw your attention there. As you breathe out, you kind of feel that coming back, this point coming back into your back of your, into the pel- basic back of your pelvis. Breathing out, see if it's just coming back in. And that is activating the tip, as if, you know, it pushes in, you tip over it. Bend your knees. And then staying centered mostly in this place, this low place in your belly, pushing down through your knees, drawing your back in, and feeling a sense of expansion there. So breathing out all of the hard surfaces, wake up, don't really do anything but there you become more aware of them, folding over, protector, breathing in, opening all the soft surfaces, the palms, the hands, the face, and then wrapping around it. This sense of opening is really not a doing so much as an inclination. You know, why not just release and open up?
<coughs> inclining always the the measure guiding measure is enjoyment so enjoyment is based upon an inclination rather than the sense data itself this inclination itself is pleasurable let this one subside seeing where it takes us orienting around the midline and the space and how we sense these how we how we sense ourselves forming our body forming at this time just sign it off by just drawing your hands palms of your hands round and collecting collecting into the breathing in the abdomen So in your own time, feel steady, continue as you see fit. <coughs> 